our Get Out series. And for the last few weeks, uh, if you've not been with us, we've been talking about this idea that, that our faith is more than just a come and see thing. That when Jesus talks about our faith, it's not just come and see, it's actually get out. That Jesus tells us over and over and over and over again in the Gospels as we study the life and ministry of Jesus to not just come and see, but to actually go. So for the last few weeks, we've been looking at these go occasions in the life and ministry and teachings of Jesus. Well, today I want us to look at the fourth and final go for this series that we're going to be talking about. How you and I, as followers of Jesus, need to get out. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be keying in because today in part four, we're talking about go and develop your leadership potential. Go, very simply, and lead. Now here's the thing, when I, when I say leadership, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that for most of us, we probably, it's not our natural inclination to think of ourselves as a leader. And maybe we think of ourselves, well, Matt, you know, I'm just a real good servant, or I'm just, you know, I'm a good worker, or, you know, I'm, I'm a good laborer, I'm, I'm good at just, you know, I just, I'm a good helper, whatever. But we don't think about the fact that, that we, we're a leader. We don't see ourselves as a leader. But what I want us to discover today in this teaching that we, we, we're going to look at in Luke 10 of, of the life and ministry of Jesus, this last go statement that he gives to us, is this idea that more than just servants, more than just helpers, more than just workers or laborers, Jesus says that we, each and every one of us, are leaders. Let's take a look at it together. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1, says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So there were the 12 disciples, and then there was like the 72, and at this point in Jesus' ministry, there was like a whole bunch of people hanging around. And so Jesus gathers 72 of them together, and it says that he appointed 72 others, look at this, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. If you want to write down some thoughts uh, there in your bulletin, I would love for you to be able to follow along with my train of thinking, because I want to talk to us today about some exhortations from Jesus about leadership. Some exhortations from Jesus about leadership. And here's the first one. Notice this from the story. Everywhere Jesus wants to go, he first sends leaders. Everywhere that Jesus wants to go, he first sends leaders. Never does God move among a group of people without first putting his hand on someone and placing a vision or an idea in their heart for a group of people. Did you see it in the verse? It says he, got, he, he, he gathers 72 people together. And then he basically says to them, here's what you're going to do, guys. I'm going to send you out, everybody pair up, you know, buddy system, two by two. And then he says, I want to send you guys ahead of me. So everywhere Jesus wants to go, every place Jesus wants to make an impact, he first sends leaders there in advance. And I believe that what was true back then is true today. Jesus always raises up a leader first. For us at Next Level Church, if those of you who have been around a while, you know this leadership thing is absolutely huge for me. I am a huge, huge advocate and fan of leadership and of leadership development. I'm blown away when I look across Next Level Church at how God is raising up leaders. He's raising up and, and bringing in just amazing, amazingly talented leaders of all ages, young and old. He's bringing and raising up leaders. And for us as a church for eight and a half years, we have known that the size of our impact as a local church is directly proportional 
to the size of the leaders that we can raise up. Guys, I am committed to this. Here's what I believe. I believe that behind any ministry or organization or business, for that matter, in our community that's having success, show me a ministry that's having success. Show me a a not-for-profit organization that's having success. Show me a business that's having success, and I guarantee you, behind that success, you will find great leaders. And for us as a church, I am committed to this. This is why I've dedicated so much of my time and attention over the last eight and a half years to leadership development. This is why I read books like crazy. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. Whatever. Okay, here's the deal. I, honestly, I believe that. I believe. It, it's, it's always been in my heart. We, for, for years, we've taught what we would call the umbrella principle. Basically, this idea that if, in terms of next level church, we want to create such a, a large and high and vast leadership umbrella that no matter where a leader comes in and how they raise up and how, how great of leadership potential they have, they wouldn't have to soar outside of the umbrella of Next Level Church to be able to fulfill their destiny, to be able to become everything God wants for them to become. Guys, that wasn't my story. Before we moved here, coming up on nine years ago, to start Next Level, I was in, in an unhealthy leadership environment. An environment where in order for me to spread my wings and fly and soar and dream and imagine and fulfill my destiny, I couldn't do it there. The umbrella was too low. So when we moved here eight and a half years ago and started NLC, it was like, that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be the kind of church where, where as the Bible says, young men can, can dream dreams and, and old men can see vision. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a leadership development church with a vast and broad umbrella, a healthy environment where leaders of all kinds can soar. That's the kind of organization we want to be. So for me, I've known that in order for us to create that kind of organization, I have to be a leader who's growing myself. And not just growing myself. Guys, if you follow me around, you, I, I read between six and eight books at a time. I'm constantly just reading things and catching ideas and listening to podcasts and doing all this. Why? Because I know that if we're going to grow leaders, the kind of leaders that it takes in order for Next Level Church to be the kind of city-impacting, region-impacting, nation-impacting, world-impacting church that he's called us to be, in order for that to happen, it's going to take leaders. The truth is, this church, the only way this church has become what it is is not because of me. It's because of all of you. So many of you who have grabbed a hold of this leadership thing and said, yes, I'll lead. I'll step in the gap. I'll make it happen. I'll serve. I'll do it. And it's my heart as a leader to continue to keep that happening. Guys, listen, I can't tell you how we are standing on the threshold of crazy kinds of influence where God would say, next level church, I want to use you. To not just make an impact downtown, not just make an impact in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your school, but to Next Level Church, I'm going to use you to make an impact across our nation and around the world. Guys, that's what we're a part of, but here's what I know. I know that in order for that to happen, we got to continue to find, believe in, and empower leaders. There's an individual in the Bible named Barnabas. I don't know, if you've been around Bible study for a while, then, then you know this is true. But like, if you study the Bible for a while, you start to try and see yourself as characters in the Bible. Anybody ever do that? Or you're like, man, you know, you, or you're like, you know, you're, you'll be sitting around somewhere with a small group of people, you know, and you'll go, what Bible character are you most like, you know? And there's always one guy who's like, man, I'm thinking Judas. <laughs> you know how that ends, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, sorry about that. Some people are Peter, you know, and they're like, man, I always put my foot in my mouth. Here's, here's what I think, and I've felt this way for about 15 years. 
I believe that, that the, the Bible character I most like in Scripture is Barnabas. In, in the book of Acts, we read about this apostle, this leader, whose name was Barnabas. And basically, Barnabas was the kind of leader that he never wrote any of, of the books of the Bible. He didn't any of that. But what Barnabas did was, his name actually means son of thunder. Haha, ha, you're most like him. More accurately translated, son of encouragement. And as you study Barnabas' life, here's what his calling was. The calling of Barnabas was to find leaders and push them to the front. To find leaders and pour into them and develop them and just, just believe in them like no one else would. Matter of fact, the great Apostle Paul who ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament in the Bible, Barnabas was really the guy who, who kind of gave Paul his start, so to speak. That Paul has his conversion experience. He gets knocked off, you know, his, his donkey, and he goes blind and, you know, comes to faith in Christ, the whole deal. And it kind of goes off the radar for a while. And then all of a sudden, you find out that this Barnabas, he goes to a church called in Antioch, the city of Antioch. And as Barnabas is there ministering, all of a sudden he gets this idea and he goes, you know what, I've got to go find a guy. So he goes down to Tarsus where Saul, or Paul, was living. And he finds this Saul from Tarsus, who we know as Paul. And he brings him back to Antioch. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that Barnabas for an entire year invested in the Apostle Paul. That when no one else could see it, no one else could really believe in this, this calling that was on the Apostle Paul, Barnabas saw it. And he believed in Paul. And the coolest thing is you study the book of Acts up until about chapter 13. Anytime you read about Barnabas and Paul, it says Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. But after chapter 13 and 14, basically, with only a couple of exceptions, every time from that point forward, you read about these two guys, it says Paul and Barnabas. See, Barnabas had the unique call of recognizing leadership potential and then finding those leaders, believing in them, investing in them, pouring into them, and then eventually pushing them to the front. Barnabas understood that Paul would become greater and his influence would become greater than Barnabas's ever could. And he wasn't threatened by it. No, instead, he pushed it to the front. Well, guys, here's what I want you to understand. For about 15 years, my wife and I have felt like we have a Barnabas call on us. And I believe our church has a Barnabas call to find leaders of all ages, to find young leaders, high school students, I'm talking to you, to find leaders and to, to raise them up and to believe in them and to create an environment where they can grow and try and fail and risk and, and experiment and dream and, and, and just fulfill their destiny. That's our calling. In Next Level Church, that's our calling. I believe, I'm, it's crazy. I don't know if you've noticed or not. There's like leaders coming out of the woodwork around here. It's just the awesomest thing to look around and be like, who is that? I don't even, I walk, I walk around and there's people like leading meetings and I'm like, does anybody know who that is? I've never seen the guys. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, Next Level Church, there is a calling on us to be a Barnabas to leaders, to create an environment like this where leaders can come and go, listen, there's no dream too large that it would have to fly somewhere else to be fulfilled. Right here at Next Level Church, we believe in you. We believe in you. So Jesus grabs these 72 guys and he brings them together and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you out two by two and I need some leaders and I need you to go. Everywhere that I want to move, everywhere that I want my spirit to invade and to bring about harvest, I'm sending you guys out. And then he says this, more information, verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers, or other translations call them laborers, into his harvest field. I did some research on that word worker this week. When you go back to the original language that the New Testament was written in, which is Greek, and you study that word worker or laborer, it actually means a toiler, one who toils, or a teacher, or one who diligently crafts. In other words, these aren't just run-of-the-mill workers. These aren't just, you know, 10 cents an hour people. No, no, no. What Jesus was saying is, look, look on the fields. They're white with harvest. There's potential for life change everywhere. And he says, but the workers, the laborers, the leaders are few. Therefore, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. You pray to God to raise up leaders for the harvest. Second thought, if you're taking notes, we're to pray for leaders. Guys, listen. This was a primary concern to Jesus. Not that it would just be a bunch of followers. No. Jesus is like, listen, we don't need more followers. You know what we need? More leaders, baby. The further I go in this journey, guys, the more I am convinced that it is all about leadership development. That's why I'm so excited about the dozens and dozens and dozens of leaders that God's raising up around here. Men and women who understand how to attract and mobilize and inspire other people at the deepest level. And that's why leadership has been, is, and always will be of the utmost request in terms of how we pray around here as a church. Prayer and fasting. Tomorrow, Scott mentioned it, First Monday of the month, prayer and fasting. What are we praying about? We're praying about leaders. That God would raise up people who have a passion and a vision for a group of people, to see a group of people impacted for God. Let me just say this. Philosophically, we as a church are, are, have never been and are never going to be a church that starts a program and then believes God to bring a leader. And others, maybe some of us have been a part of churches like that, where, you know, they kind of, the leader, the people, thus saith the Lord, and they add syllables to the Lord's name, so forth. But kind of the leader, well, we're going to do this, and they start spinning a plate, and then they're like, well, does anybody want this? And then they spin another plate, and does anybody want this? Before you know it, you got all this thing, and people who don't really have a passion or vision for it. Am I talking fast? Because I am just worn out. Hang on, give me a minute. Need to do a little more time on the treadmill, man. man. <laughs> That's what that means. Note to self. Write that down. Okay. We've never been that kind of a church. And we're not, we're not ever going to be that kind of, of a church. We will always be the kind of church that believes God to put the vision and the burden in the heart of a leader and then raise them up to make it happen. That's the kind of church we want to be. This is why, by the way, I love the free market or interest-based connection group philosophy that we have around here. You heard Pastor Scott talk about it a few minutes ago. That at Next Level Church, listen, we are a church of connection groups. And, And here's what that means. See, our connection groups are the perfect environment for every single one of us to take that which we're passionate about, add intentionality to it, and see God turn it into a ministry. That's the power of our connection groups. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Watch this. 
When you close your eyes and imagine yourself making an impact on a group of people, who do you see? Right now, if every one of us who are in this room or if you're watching online, everyone, if you close your eyes and see yourself making an impact on a group of people, who is it that you see? For me, it's leaders. I see leaders. For some of us, we see children from downtown. Some of us, we see single moms. Some of us, we see people who don't have clean water in Africa. And we're, we're just dying. We're like, how do, we, how do we help those people get clean water? Some of us, we see people in Haiti. Some of us, we see, we see friends in our school. Others, we see um, stay-at-home moms who live in our neighborhood. Whatever it is, here's, here's my contention. Listen, I believe that God is putting a vision and has placed a burden and a vision in every single one of our hearts for a group of people. And, and I believe, and, mm, come on, this, okay, watch this. Our connection groups are the perfect vehicle for us to turn that burden for a group of people or for a thing, whatever. Hey, I just, I like to play bocce. Well, there's probably a group of people, small as it may be, in this area who enjoy playing bocce. Good. Watch. That's what I love about our interest-based or free market connection groups. They provide an environment for us to take whatever we're passionate about, whatever idea we've got, Add intentionality to it. Gather some people around us who, who are passionate about bocce as well and turn it into a ministry. Does that make sense? So here's what that means. That means that God has placed inside of Next Level Church the ideas, the visions, the passions, the burdens for all kinds of people to be impacted. And the tool, the vehicle that he wants to use for us to make an impact on that group of people is our connection groups. Listen, well, I don't know how to lead, and I don't know what to, Okay, well, there's training at 1.30. This afternoon, just register your group. Get there. Look in the book. Just do, do it. Take a step. Why? Because, because the harvest is plentiful. Do you know how many body people are going to hell? I don't either. Whatever we're passionate about, we can turn it into a ministry when we decide that we're not just going to come and see, but we're going to get out and lead. So here's verse 3. Here's Jesus with his go statement. He says, he gathers the 72. He says, buddy up. I'm sending you out everywhere I want to go. I'm sending leaders first. Need you to go. Pray because the harvest is plentiful, but I got to get people to stop thinking like followers and start thinking like leaders. And then he says this, verse 3, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Okay, time out. Please explain that, Matt, because you had us, like, all excited to be leaders, and now you're like, lambs among wolves. What? Okay, what's going on here? Basically this, watch. Jesus is basically saying to these, this group of leaders, don't go try and do this in your own strength. That whatever capacity, wherever God has placed us and called us to lead in our lives, be it in our workplace or in our home, be it downtown, be it here in the church, be it in a kid's small group in, in the back or in, in, on a Wednesday night with our, our high school students, whatever the case may be, wherever God's called us to lead, Jesus is saying to this group of leaders he's got around him, listen guys, don't try and go do this in your own strength. Leadership isn't based on what we bring to the table. If, if it's all about us, then here's the reality. We are lambs among wolves. 
We ain't going to make it. And so he says to them, listen, that's why, don't bring your sandals or your bag or an extra tunic or an extra change of clothes. Don't talk to anybody. He wasn't saying snub people. What he was saying is don't try and manipulate it. Don't try and be like, well, you know, I'd do that if I could just get a couple other people to do it with me. No. If he's put it in your heart to do it, then do it. Where God's called us to lead, guys, we got to step out and lead. Because it's not us. Listen, I'll be honest with you. The further we go in this leadership journey, the more convinced, absolutely convinced I am that leadership is the grace of God and nothing more. Because, guys, if we try and step out and lead and, and, and do something for God, and make an impact on our own with our own strength, you know what's going to happen? We're going to fail miserably. We are lambs among wolves. And the further I go in this, the more I realize that. Listen, we stopped using Matt's best idea a long time ago. Because it's not about how creative we are, how funny we are, how gifted and talented we are, how good with people we are. Guys, listen, at the end of the day, it is the grace of God. In whatever arena God's called us to lead, it's the grace of God. So he pulls these 72 leaders to himself and he says, guys, listen, I'm about to send you out, but here's what you need to know. I'm sending you out. You're not sending yourselves out. You are highly uh, mismatched for the leadership call that I'm giving you. But if you'll trust me, you can do it. Look, he continues on, verse 5. For, uh, with some more instructions for them. When you enter a house, verse 5, First say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. In other words, when you first get to a town, say, find a place, a house to connect in and stay there. And if you don't have a peace about it, don't stay. But when you do have a peace about it, stay. Look, he goes on verse 7. Stay in that house. When you find a house where there is peace in your heart, plug in. Eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker, the leader, deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Here's what's going on. Third thought if you want to write it down. Fourth thought actually. Find a healthy leadership environment to get planted in and stay there. Find a healthy leadership environment to, to get planted in and stay, stay there. I want to take a minute and share something with you that, to my knowledge, I've never heard anybody else in Christianity in our country say, to my knowledge. And I've certainly never said this in eight and a half years of doing this, although this has philosophically been something we've believed from the beginning of our church. In terms of this healthy environment, leadership environment in a local church, I believe that Jesus wants every believer to find a local church and plug in there. Find a house and stay in it. Find a healthy leadership environment where there's peace and stay there. I do not believe that it is God's best for us, followers of Jesus, Christians, to just float around from church to church to church and never commit and never serve and especially never use our leadership gift that he's put in all of us. I do not believe that is how we find God's best. Well, you know, we got up late, so we went to another service, and we just crossed down. We're all just one, right? Yes, we're all just one. But listen, I believe we don't experience God's best for our life until we plug into a local church. I believe God wants us to find one local church and offer our best there, offer our leadership there. 
Now, let me say this. I believe that God can call people to leave one church in a city and attend another. I believe he can. I believe we're in dangerous, dangerous territory when we declare that once somebody joins a church, they can never, ever, ever, ever leave. And if they do, they're like, I, I, I just think, those of you listening to audio, you'll just have to imagine in my mind what I just did right now. I think we're in dangerous territory, guys, when we say, well, once you're a part of a local church in a city, you can never, ever, ever leave. However, I believe that far too often we leave a church for the wrong reasons. Here's why. Because most of the time, the reason somebody leaves a church is because they don't want to deal or they don't know how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Or the leadership of that local church has not created a healthy environment where that person feels like they can actually go talk about it in a healthy way without being called the devil. That's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that God will occasionally lead underutilized, sidelined, stalled out, or discouraged leaders out of an unhealthy local church leadership environment and into a healthy local church leadership environment in order to get an underutilized, sidelined, discouraged leader back into the leadership game in the body of Christ. I believe that. And I believe that it's possible for a church to be healthy for a long, 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 long time and then lose its health for a number of reasons. For a failure to change, from failure to risk, failure to empower the young generation, failure to trust others with the ministry, I believe it's possible, our church included, with all of the life change and health that we have around here, I believe it's possible if a local church does not stay on its toes and, and, and change and risk and empower and trust, if a local church doesn't do that, it can move from being a healthy church to an unhealthy leadership environment in the local church. I believe it's possible for a church to lose its health. And when it does, I believe there are occasions where God will take high-capacity leaders who are now underutilized or discouraged or burned out and move them from an unhealthy place to a healthy one. I believe that. Jesus says, that when we find a healthy leadership environment, when there's peace in our heart, in a local church, in the house. We are to plant there. We are to stay plugged in there. And then this interesting thing happens from verses 8 to verse 14. Jesus fires a warning shot over the bow. He stops talking to the 72 and starts talking to people like me who do what I do. Leaders of local churches, pastors, leaders of, of, that are responsible to create a healthy leadership environment in the local church. He starts talking to us for a minute. So can you imagine? There he's talking to the 17. He's like, hang on a second, you guys. And he starts talking to us. And you know what he does? He sends a shot over the bow and basically says, hey, all of you like Matt who do what he does and create leadership environments, you better be real careful that you are not quenching the fire. You better be real careful that you're not creating an unhealthy leadership environment for my leaders, for my people. Because if you do, and he uses like graphic illustration, he's like Sodom and Gomorrah, rah, like, like ugly stuff. 
He sends this warning shot to leaders like me. And he says, listen, it is paramount that you create the kind of leadership culture where the umbrella is broad enough and the health is strong enough for my leaders to rise up and fulfill their calling and their destiny and be used by God for his purposes. And if you don't, he says, you can read it later, you'll stand in judgment for eternity. Anyway, then, verse 15, 16, he turns back to the 72. And in verse 16, look what he says. Speaking back to the 72. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects God, him who sent me. Here's what I want us to understand, the fifth uh, idea if you want to write this down. Our leadership at any level, in any arena, represents Jesus. We have to understand that be it in a secular environment, be it in our workplace or our business place, wherever God has called us in our family or downtown, we put on an orange shirt downtown, we're leaders. When we lead in our government, when we, when we lead in our workplace or in our school, students, and especially when we lead in the church, in any arena where God has called us and placed us in a leadership capacity, we have to understand that we represent him. He says, if they listen to you, they'll listen to me. If they reject you, they're rejecting me. And when they reject me, they're rejecting him. So there he is. 72, pairs them off, sends them out. And in between verse 16 and verse 17, Jesus sends them out. And so we kind of zoom ahead in time. And they go out. And they lead like Jesus led. And they, they do what Jesus did. And they speak like Jesus spoke. And they teach like Jesus taught. And they, they lead. And then in verse 17, they come back. Check it out. I love this. The 72 returned, verse 17, with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're like giddy, excited. They're like high-fiving each other. They're pounding each other. You know, pound, pound, dolphin. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, they're like into it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, high-five, high-five. Knuckles, knuckles, like they're like they are just giddy. They're like, Lord, even the demons, man, everything you told us, we just went out, we led like you led, and we did what you did. They're just freaking out. And then look at Jesus' response. I love this. Verse 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus says, There, guys, what you did has so much greater emphasis and significance on an eternal perspective than you will ever realize in this moment. And then verse 21, he skipped down. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. He starts to pray. He's full of joy. And he says, God, I'm just going crazy, just praising you. Why? Look, because you have hidden these things from wise and learned people. And instead, you revealed them to these little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. In other words, Jesus says, God, I get it. This was your plan all along. Then when it comes to leadership in the church, it's not about the highly educated and the famous and the the profound and the wonderful and all of these, the special people. It's not about the Pharisees and the Bible college graduates. Jesus says, Lord, your good pleasure all along was to use the average Joe. To use each and every one of us. 
the workers, the servants, the laborers as leaders. And I believe in verse 18 when Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Listen, I believe in that moment everything, everything turned. I believe everything in Scripture pivots on this one moment. And here's the reason why. Because I believe in that moment Jesus realized that we're not going to lose. We win. That everything he had been doing in his ministry, preaching and speaking and teaching and healing and raising people from the dead and doing miracles, all of those things that he had been doing, I believe in this moment the reason Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning is because Jesus knew that it wasn't just going to be an elite group of people. It wasn't just going to be the Bible college graduates and the seminary students and the theology degreed people. It wasn't just going to be the Pharisees and the Sadducees or even the 12. I believe in this moment Jesus began to see, look on and see that every single person who calls himself a follower of Jesus could actually be a leader as well. And guys, I believe that what was true then is true now. This is our opportunity. And God has called every one of us not just to come and see, but to get out and lead. That's our calling. That's our calling. Jesus says we can win if every follower will start to see themselves as a leader. We can win if every one of us will, will look on the harvest and whatever that is, the harvest of single moms, the harvest of kids downtown who need tutors and examples and models, the harvest of men who are disconnected from church, the harvest of teenagers, <laughs> the harvest of body players. If we will look on the harvest and realize it's not somebody else, it's us. And not just come and see, we'll get out and lead. Guys, holy smokes, can you see the implications? Do you see it? Jesus goes a step further, and he gathers the 12 disciples to him. He's got the 72. They come back. They're high-fiving, doing bell kicks, pounding each other, the whole deal. He says, guys, come here. He gathers the 12 to him. Look at verse 23. Look what he says. He gathers them together. He said, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, guys, I just want you to know that you are blessed because you got to see this today. Verse 24, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Jesus pulls his 12 disciples together and he says, guys, what you don't understand is there are generation after generation after generation of people who wanted to be you. Who wanted to see this moment where the average Joe, the average Jane, where every person who call, is called a follower of Jesus is actually a leader for Jesus. He says, there are generations who wanted to have what you have and to see what you see and to hear what you heard today. You guys are the ones that actually got to do it. Next Level Church, I believe the very same thing is true today. There are generations of people would have given anything to have at their fingertips what we've been given.
the technology, the resources, the, the materials, the, the ideas, the, all of that avail- that is available to us today. There are generations of people who have said, man, do you know what it would have been like to have what you have? So the question for us as we conclude this Get Out series is what will we do? Because I believe, Next Level Church, I believe that every one of us who are listening today, God's placed a divine idea in our heart. And he's saying to us, what will you do with it? It's like, remember the little, like the Sunday school, you know, this little light of mine, that Jesus teaching the parable, he's giving it, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, you know, won't let Satan get out, okay, right, okay, anybody, anybody remember that? All right, good, yeah, a couple of you, thanks. Okay, here's the deal. I believe God's given every one of us a light, a divine spark, a divine idea, divine burden to impact a group of people. And Jesus would say to us, I haven't placed that divine idea in your heart for nothing. I've placed it in your heart so that you will lead, so that you will have courage, so you'll act on it, so you'll do something about it. I believe right now, seated right now in this room, there are some of us, and God's placed a divine idea of how you can make an impact downtown, even after our Be Orange and five weeks of service is over. Some of us, God's put an idea in your heart of how you can make a difference in the school-aged children this year. Some of us, God's put an idea in our heart about how we can impact men and mobilize more men to get on fire for God and to lead by example in their homes and their families. Ideas of all kinds, missions ideas. God's placed ideas and burdens in our heart. And guys, listen. The challenge of the Get Out series is to not just come and see the church. It's to go and be the church. And I believe the way we do that is by leading. It's by stepping up. It's by saying, God, I won't hide that divine spark, that light under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray as we close our time together. As Pastor Scott comes back, I want us to pray today. Because I believe in this room, that can you imagine if every one of us, if ever, just, just us, if every one of us had the courage to step up and say, okay, I'm going to lead. I'm not just going to come and see. I'm going to get out and lead. Can you imagine the impact we would make? That's unbelievable. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for courage for every one of us listening today. To take that divine spark, not hide it under a bushel, but to let it shine. Have the courage to lead. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your calling that is sure. Thank you, God, that you don't choose the highly educated and the most talented and the best looking and the most famous. God, you choose us. And that when each one of us grab a hold of the responsibility that you've given to us to lead, that, God, that is how we reap the harvest. That is how we make an impact. So, Father, today I pray for hundreds and hundreds of us who are listening. And right now are feeling the tug in our heart going, man, I just, I got it. I got this idea. I got this idea. Lord, I pray that you'd give us the courage to step up. Some of us need to go to the leadership training. Some of us need to go to the nextlevelchurch.com register group. Some of us need to, to talk to, to someone or shoot an email to our community outreach director. But God, each and every one of us need to take a step as we leave this place and lead 
like you've called us to lead. God, thank you for trusting us to be a part of the harvest that is indeed white and ripe. May you use us in the days that lay ahead as we get out and lead. In Jesus' name, and all across this room, everybody said,